Forgive me, Father, for I am about to sin. I can't help it. My nuts have been crying out for attention in the comments. I know what I'm about to do is wrong, but it's like being told not to look through the fence at Narelle's sunbathing, isn't it? The EV nut comments have just been far too powerful lately in the domain of temptation. So, best lay out my roasting suit. We're going in. I'm Logan from AutoExpert.com.au, new cars cheap, even EVs if that is your want, but Australia only. Website, card. In the immortal words of renowned social philosopher and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome quasi-dominatrix MILF hottie Anna Marie Bullock, also known as, can you guess, Tina Turner, requiescat, in pace, obviously, quote, 25 was the speed limit, motorcycle not allowed in it. You go to the store on Fridays, you go to church on Sundays. They call it nutbag, little old town. Oh, nutbag. They call it nutbag city limits. EVs are a superior product, have nothing to do with fake climate change. EVs cost less to operate, fuel equals one quarter cost, last four times longer, one million mics. I think he means miles. No oil change, no transmission, no coolant, no air or oil filters, no alternator or 12-volt battery to replace, comma. I do hate it when the nut finishes his thing prematurely. So frustrating. Now, EVs costing less to operate. Great point, well spotted. But $20,000 more up front is kind of an interesting position from which to start saving money on fuel. Hashtag uphill battle. No coolant. Also dead true, dude. Except for the giant cooling system for the battery and inverter, which is exactly the same as the cooling system for a combustion car, which would explain the big fuck-off radiator up the pointy end of basically every EV. No 12-volt battery, also well spotted, except for the giant lead-acid 12-volt battery in every EV, which is kind of there to energise the CAN bus and run sundry 12-volt automotive systems. Have a look under the hood sometime, dude. Try to keep up. Now, lasting one million miles, kind of a big claim, isn't it? That's 1.6 million kilometres. So, if you drive 16,000 kilometres every year, that's 100 years. 100 years! Are we seriously suggesting that today's EVs are going to be on the road in 100 years? Really? In other news, basically anybody is still allowed to procreate and vote. So, yay. This report is sponsored by NordVPN. Visit nordvpn.com slash AEJC now for an exclusive discount. Scammers and hackers truly are the cockroaches of the online world. Like, no matter how hard we try, they seemingly cannot be eradicated. These people spend their lives phishing with a PH. They're trying to scam us out of our passwords. They've got malware and ransomware. It never ends. It's a sewer. 
This happens all the time, okay? You think you've just connected to free Wi-Fi, and meanwhile, one of these roaches has just inserted himself between you and the internet like a leech, and he's about to start sifting through your data. This is actually called a man-in-the-middle attack. It's very common. But you don't have to be the next victim, right? You just need effective countermeasures, and that's exactly what NordVPN does. Nord does stuff that you and I don't really understand in the background. They encrypt your online traffic, they hide your IP address, and they bring other threat protection features to the front line of a fight that you might not even know you're in until it's too late. Go to nordvpn.com slash AEJC now. You'll get a huge discount, plus up to four additional months free and a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash AEJC. Link in the description. Just subscribe, download the app and connect. One click later, you are better protected. It's the fastest VPN on the planet. Your IP address is shielded. Your online traffic is masked with state-of-the-art encryption. We're talking NSA spec encryption across as many as six of your devices. That's your phone, your tablet, your laptop, times two, his and hers, whatever. There's 24-7 support and it costs only about as much as a cup of coffee every month to keep your data, your identity and your devices secure. And it works across Windows, Mac, Linux, Android and iOS. Because your location is masked, you're going to be able to access streaming and other services that might be blocked where you live. Plus, another bonus, you can continue to watch your favourite content when you travel overseas. All up, it's a pretty small price to pay for enhanced cybersecurity and greater access to this and that online. Go to nordvpn.com slash AEJC now to get more secure and enjoy a big discount, plus those extra months of free subscription time. Totally risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash AEJC, link in the description, and thanks to Nord for sponsoring this episode. Now, where were we? That's right, roasting. You're right, but in the long term, we're going to be better off if EVs recharge at home from solar panels than ice vehicles, so we shouldn't discourage people from doing this transition. Another excellent point well made. I may be a little slower than average, but exactly how is that going to work, the charging at home thing from solar panels, for the millions of people who live in apartments and park out on the street, or whose vehicles are only back home at night because they have, you know, real jobs? How exactly are we going to manage that? There's insufficient materials for endless stationary batteries to store the energy captured during the day, and... A farm of magnetically levitated centrifuges spinning at 20,000 RPM or something in vacuum chambers? Well, that seems a little bit ambitious for the average DIY dude or body's corporate. It's just a detail, I know. John, you are fun to listen to somehow, but in the same way, you are as wrong as you could possibly be. The only thing you may be right with is the fact trucks are not considered is an Australia only issue. Actually, that is a pretty uniquely Australian problem. See, in North America, trucks get sold south as they age. They get sold into, I don't know, Mexico, Guatemala, Venezuela, Ecuador, 
etc. In Western Europe, old shitbox polluting trucks get sold east to countries often ending in Stan, Ania, Mania, Bania, Menia or Donia. In other words, the world's most advanced Western democracies export their old polluting shitter trucks to regions with less strict emissions laws. Here in third world Australia, we are girt by friggin' sea, inconveniently, and the new efficient trucks are typically used to haul cargo interstate. Old polluting shitter trucks typically migrate to our cities to belch their filthy carcinogenic, unregulated emissions past preschools and cafes, your home, etc., getting freight from the ports to distribution centres in the outer suburbs. Oi, oi, oi. This next nut comment is about welding, so a bit off topic, but export grade. I refuse to wear gloves while MIG welding. Well, it's a free country. You go, girl. I did recently cover the top five ways to die while welding at home. I'll put a link up there and also down there as well. I did this mainly so that you could avoid inflicting this particular outcome on your family one day. Gloves, of course, stop you getting burnt, they insulate you from the risk of electrocution, and they block the intense full-spectrum UV radiation that welding creates, which just loves to get into your skin and play havoc with your DNA. The radiation from welding is actually worse than sunlight because the atmosphere of the Earth blocks the most highly carcinogenic kind of UV radiation, UVC. It just doesn't get down here. But when you weld, you are just swimming in UVC as well as UVA and UVB. And of all the kinds of welding, GMOR, gas metal arc welding, colloquially called MIG, it creates the most UV radiation. And UV is a category one carcinogen. It's called a fact. At home, of course, safety is your own personal prerogative. In industry, it's generally not optional because, you know, you've got OH&S and all of those kinds of boxes to tick. Now, at home, personally, I don't give a rat's ass if you choose to weld nude and hold the stinger with your junk, as they say in America, perhaps while also standing in a bath of salt water on a table made of full LPG cylinders and soaked with chlorinated brake cleaner. And you have to watch the video to find out why the brake cleaner is just such a bad idea. Hashtag chemical weapon. Alternatively, you might wear a protective jumpsuit made entirely of butane cigarette lighters. I really don't give a rat's ass, dude. My give-a-fuck tank is on E in respect of the choices that you make about your safety. However, if you had asked me a different question, I would probably tell you that any kind of welding without gloves, even just to put a little tack down, but especially with MIG, it's a very bad idea. Now... While we're down here in the engineering sewer talking about this stuff, here's just one more. Is it a cultural thing that Australians refer to a bolt as a screw? What am I missing here? Otherwise, this is, as always, great video. No need to suck up, dude. You're already on the show. And I'll have you know that using the word cultural in relation to anything Australian is an affront to civilised countries everywhere. 
And I'm outraged that you can't see that. Now, to answer your question, technically in engineering, screws have the threads running the whole length of the shank. Bolts are only partly threaded. Of course, if you're a carpenter, a screw is a kind of tapered, low-rent, all-in-one drill, tap and threaded fastener for the kind of third-rate materials that anyone can work with. And auto expert John Cadogan, there is one thing that John is missing here. Ice vehicles produce toxic gas out the exhaust, EVs don't. Ice vehicles only use 30% of the fuel used for propulsion. EVs have a much higher efficiency in the 70 to 90% efficient. As for the toxic gases, the most toxic gas in modern car exhaust is CO2. It's exactly the same with a coal or gas-fired power station. I wouldn't want to be in an enclosed space with a running ice car, that would be a mistake, but the NOx, the carbon monoxide, the sulphur dioxide, the unburnt hydrocarbons, and the particles from diesels are, however, fairly effectively mitigated in modern cars with such strict emissions regulations and fuel quality standards. Now, as to these bullshit efficiency claims, you generally have to burn something to make the electricity, and here in Australia, that something is generally coal. EVs are remote combustion vehicles in Australia at present. This is a fact, and you do not therefore have to like it. According to the US Department of Energy, the average coal-fired power plant has a thermal efficiency of 33%, right? According to the International Energy Agency, a high-efficiency, low-emissions coal-fired power plant can reach up to 45% efficiency. These seem like a reasonable set of claims to me. There are also about 10% worth of losses for electricity transmission, like to get the power from the power plant to your home, and 6% losses while you charge the battery. So to be completely fair, if we consider combustion to propulsion for both vehicle types, that is, apples for apples comparison, 30% is probably ambitious for internal combustion, real world's probably more like mid-20s if you're lucky, 45% in a high efficiency power station, minus 10% for transmission, minus 6% to charge the battery, is 38%. Which is better than mid-20s, but it's hardly as spectacular as the nutjob claim of up to 90% efficiency for an EV. However, if you use an average power plant, 33% efficient, minus transmission, minus charging, that becomes 28% efficiency, which puts ICE and EVs roughly in the same efficiency ballpark. And if you're outraged at that, you've got to ask yourself why, dude. It's probably because I'm offending your confirmation bias, your zeal, your unbridled enthusiasm for electric utopia with those pesky facts. For EVs to be a big efficiency win, it really matters how you make the electricity. That said, one should also take into account the net per mile energy efficiency and the real pollutants that are coming out of ice vehicles like noxes and soxes. Nox and sulfur dioxide can be mitigated, dude. Nox is mitigated primarily when the air fuel ratio doesn't get too lean. Vestigial nox can be pulled apart in a catalytic converter. And I think the main countermeasure against sulphur compounds in car exhaust 
is just to regulate sulfur out of the fuel, which occurs at the refinery. Not exactly sure how you would do that with coal, like the sulfur, but the NOx can probably be managed in a power station as well by getting the air-fuel ratio bang on the money. As a free Tesla family, I've got to laugh at your comment. While the naysayers and skeptics make patently dishonest arguments against EVs and keep paying for expensive gas, my family has been reaping the cost savings of driving electric for almost five years now. In other words, people are hurting from high fuel prices because of their own lack of critical thinking. Yeah. Those gas prices really, really are a barbed wire enema. Whereas, you know, paying $20,000 extra times three EVs must be so completely painless. Way to go, critical thinker. John, just one correction. No cows are killed exclusively for the leather these days. They are killed for their meat. Leather is now just a recycled waste product of the meat industry. Cow, two to three grand. Skin, 20 bucks to 120. Totally agreed, dude. Not using leather is therefore an offensive travesty that completely disrespects the life of the animal, which was forfeited principally to provide food for humans. And of course, they put it in a neat little tray with a little sanitary pad thingo underneath in the supermarket so that ordinary consumers don't have to think about any of that unpleasantness. My point was that Polestar makes outrageous claims on its website about the sustainability of the morbidly obese Polestar 3, which is, by any estimation, one of the most highly consumptive vehicles a person may buy in respect of its drain on the planet's resources. The bullshit smoke screens they offer include claims about natural fibres in the composites, recycled fishing nets in the textiles, the tracking of the battery's toxic minerals, and strict animal welfare standards being met for the dead animals that become the Napa leather. And in yesterday's report, I erroneously said that those dead animals were cows. Napa leather is, of course, the tanned skin of only baby cows, baby sheep, or baby goats. So, sorry about that. Instead of saying, stick your rich, fat, green ass on this high-quality premium leather made from the finest dead baby animals, which is literally true, Polestar actually says the leather used in Polestar 3 meets the strictest standards on animal welfare. End of quote. Which I'm sure is not all that comforting on the way up the ramp into the abattoir. Not at all. They add, helpfully, the Napa leather upholstery is also chrome-free. On balance, of course. The batteries contain more than enough toxic heavy metals, including cobalt and nickel, to compensate for any lack of chrome. In other news, the upcoming bullshit automotive Olympics is expected to be a hotly contested series of events later this year. You talk a lot of exaggerated nonsense. Sadly, you are anti-EV. As a properly grounded engineer, 30 plus year plus experience, I can spot your BS. Just to put your trolling maths in perspective, sun radiates 170,000 terawatts constantly onto Earth. 745 million terawatt hours each year. That is fascinating and it begs an obvious question. Is there an objective test? 
for the proper grounding of an engineer. Has he got like this big fuck-off braided copper cable wrapped around his ankle and clipped deep into the nearest water pipe? Is that how it's done? Does he test it regularly with a multimeter? Is there a certification protocol? Has it got a big official tag on it? I really want to see this alleged engineer grounding system. The sun now. Very powerful. So hot, so bright. I blame the fusion, frankly. It certainly keeps the Earth's entropy tank topped up, that's for sure. That's what the hydrocarbons are when you think about it. The energy from sunlight from millions of years ago, all stored up, and now we're letting it go. It's amazing. I don't think I ever actually argue the toss about how bright the sun really is. Officially certified by science, of course, as really, really bright, just for complete disambiguation. So we can all agree on that. The sun is, in reality, the only thing that could ever hope to supplant hydrocarbons and quench humanity's thirst for basically endless energy. The real technical challenge is capturing enough of it, efficiently enough, so that we could turn the hydrocarbon tank completely off without all going back to the 12th freaking century, which would not be fun, having experienced the alternative. If the cable around his ankle is sufficiently long, why does he not just connect to the internet and look into it? It's a serious problem. He might be able to assist. Doubtful. If you are the parent of a young child, please do encourage them to study STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Do not let them become some freaking deadbeat. A lawyer, a marketer, PR operative, lobbyist, economist, politician, or worse, the CEO of a car company. It is, of course, only through STEM that we might hope to solve any of these major problems, and they are very hard problems to solve. So complex. You've got to convince the kiddies to make Australia less shit by paying more attention at school. And don't terrify them with these bullshit claims about having to live your whole life strapped to a water pipe by an unwieldy length of copper cable. He's just making that up. Aluminium cable is so much lighter. In fact, I hardly ever notice mine since the upgrade. <laughs>